Today's podcast is presented to you by Unicorn.com, the premier esports betting site. Use the code ROUGHDRAFTS when you log in today to get 75 free unicorns that you could spend on all of the smart money bets we love to recommend on this podcast. And who knows, maybe you'll win the Logitech G910 keyboard that is currently on auction today. Anything is possible, but make sure you use the code ROUGHDRAFTS to get your free 75 unicorns to play along with the pod. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am the Editor-in-Chief and Analyst for Imperial Esports, and welcome to another very special edition of the Rough Drafts Guess the Line podcast, where the only thing rougher than our pick and ban phase is how the European Challenger teams must be feeling after a very tough promotion weekend. But I can't think of anyone that I would rather talk about both the promotion games and, far more importantly, to be fair, the European LCS Spring Playoff Quarterfinal Series, then my good friend, Walter Ciedi Svedchuk, a writer at Slingshot Esports. Walter, how you doing, man? I told you you had nothing to worry about with Rock Hat. Come on. Nothing to worry about. Those challenger teams were not remotely good. It's Okay, so we did say on the pod that we didn't think that these were the two best challenger teams. Correct. And we said on the pod that we thought Rocket was going to win 3-1. to one. So hopefully yep. you took our advice. We didn't have a technical smart money bet section, but you definitely should have taken Rocket at plus 175 with the uh, minus one and a half handicap like we recommended on the pod. Mm-hmm. If you did that, hey, look, we gave you more free money. That's kind of the motto of our podcast at this point. But when it comes to the Challenger promotion tournament, here's what I have to ask you, Walter. Given the changes to the format, would you consider this EULCS promotion tournament a success? Uh, yes, because we didn't get a god-awful challenger team that automatically qualified in. I, I think if Huma had auto-qualified in Giants' place, um, we would have a worse team in the LCS next split. By far. Unless Huma made like crazy changes in the offseason, which I don't think they would. That being said, I don't think Giants are going to be like some world beaters next split, but I think they've made some improvements. I think the addition of Wisdom and Songstar helped them. Granted, the series against the Wolves looked rough, and Giants at the end of the split looked rough outside of their one meaningless victory over Rocket. Stab, stab, stab. (laughs) Uh, But... You know, beyond that, they looked like the better team. Uh, they they did what they needed to do, and and they you know took a three one over uh, an overmatched Huma roster, in my opinion. It was interesting to see Giants throughout this whole tournament because first of all, they almost lose to the Copenhagen Wolves. In fact, there's a very good argument that if the Wolves don't throw at Baron twice over the course of that series, that the Wolves eliminate the Giants in round one, which is totally in play. It was a very rough series from them. And then, suddenly, two days later, they're taking Splice to five games. And then they just destroy Humo, really. I know it's three to one, but the games were not as close as that score would necessarily indicate. It just felt like Giants 
still have a lot to learn in terms of consistency. But what we saw here is what they can be at their best. When they're at their best, they're going to be able to beat up on teams like Huma. They're going to be able to hang with teams like Splice, who I, I don't think played particularly poorly in that best of five. I thought Splice played about what we expected from them. It just that Giants had risen to the occasion since the last time we saw these teams play each other. And Splice on the other was, hand... Splice was mediocre. Splice was definitely mediocre. They had some good moments. They had some bad moments. Yeah, um, so like I said, I, exactly what we saw in the regular season. I mean, were you surprised by their performance? Did you think they were underperforming? I think for the level of competition they were against, they underperformed. I would, I would agree. I, I think against Giants, you know, Splice was better than Giants over the course of the regular season. And while I understand that Sonstar and Wisdom have, in fact, added some panache to this team, you know, are, are, are better, I suppose. Wisdom is definitely better than Betong Jacques or Air Crew. Um, I, don't, I still don't think Sonstar is a direct upgrade over, over Ajay, and maybe over the long term he will be. But it came down to, I think, the games that Splice lost were really weird pick-and-ban phases. I didn't agree with some of their choices in, in that regard. And it's Yamato still hasn't quite figured out what he wants this team to be. But at the end of the day, uh, the, the better-skilled team, I believe, won this tournament. Or won this, this series against Giants. And then Giants beat Humo, and they're the more skilled team too. So I, I don't think the outcome surprised me anything other than the fact that the Splice Giants series was so close. Yeah, I'm not particularly surprised by any of the individual results. Had the Wolves beaten Giants, I wouldn't have been shocked either. You know, it's one of those things where when Giants play the way that they did in that Wolves series, it is a toss-up against some of the better challenger teams. It's unfortunate that we didn't get to see Inspire or Millennium here. Because I think those are two teams that would have been more interesting to watch in terms of the consistency that those teams showed over the course of a split. While Huma really did appear off this tournament. It, it felt like Godbro was a step behind what he had been. It felt like Whirlib in general, you know, once you take him off of the jacks and the traditional split push stuff, he really does struggle. And it was unfortunate that it it went as poorly as it did for whom I would have liked to see at least one or two games from them that would have been really impressive just to have some potential for that roster going forward. I guess my only question left to you, Walter is, is this best for the scene as a whole? Because as you said, what this format changed is that now we know the three best teams, assuming that the best challenger teams made this format and you know, every, everything from there, but Assuming the the format worked, the three best teams are now in the LCS. But what it's done is it's now locked in a Giants team that wasn't particularly impressive. Instead of giving those resources to an organization like Huma or any other challenger org that maybe uses them to grow and expand their staff and maybe has a higher ceiling, do you think that's better or worse for the game in the long run? I think the only teams that would have performed admirably with that would have been like Millennium. I think Millennium is a little bit better than Giants. I don't think they're much better than like Rocket or Splice. So I don't think that 
I, I think we got a, about as good a result as we could have gotten out of out of what happened. Um, you know, Millennium could have very easily qualified for the promotion tournament, and they didn't. They didn't take care of business, and they didn't qualify. The same thing with Inspire. So, yeah, we ended up with Copenhagen Wolves and, and Huma, and while we, you know, like you said, talked about in the last podcast that we didn't think they were as good as the other two teams, these were the two teams that we ended up with, and I think if either of these these challenger teams had made it into the LCS next split, unless they made some very strong changes to their roster, I don't think that they would perform any better than this Giants roster is going to be able to. I don't think we we increase the level of competition, and but on the converse, I don't think we decrease the level of competition as if Huma or Copenhagen Wolves had made it in. Well, this is the interesting thing, and it's it's a very theoretical argument, so it's one that's very hard to pin down for sure. We can make a lot of excuses and a lot of reasons why things could be different if we had challenger teams get in. But I do think that people underestimate just how many opportunities are available to you once you hit the LCS. The number of sponsors that are interested in you significantly increases when you're no longer a challenger team. The amount of money that you're getting from Riot is obviously nothing to sneeze at. That does a huge job in terms of getting money so that you can acquire better talent. Uh, plus, most players are a lot more interested in playing for LCS teams than they are for playing for challenger teams. So there are a lot of things where teams are now not getting the resources that they maybe could have put to great use. On the other hand, I think that Giant showed that maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. They went out and they did use the resources that were given to them. And they did something great with it. They got a roster that was better than the one we saw for most of the split, and they earned their spot as a result. If people are making use of the resources given, if they're improving upon themselves and making the quality at the top of the scene better, then maybe that's not such a bad thing. Maybe that has a trickle-down effect in and of itself. I just wonder how long challenger teams are going to still be considered a worthwhile investment. Because honestly, if you've basically made it, if not impossible, at least incredibly difficult for challenger teams to qualify, given the power disadvantage between the two, one having all these resources and bigger staffs and everything else, and one being these challenger teams just hoping to claw their way in, that does affect the value of a potential challenger team. It does affect the value of investing at that level which could have some effects in the long run. It'll be interesting to see. Is there any final note you want to put on this promotion tournament before we move on to the big quarterfinal games coming out of Europe this split? Yeah, I, I don't think anything really surprised me. Um, there, there wasn't anything super special. I think there were some interesting like champion choices um, that were on. It was on 6.4, 6.5. And uh, it, it shows that there's still some, some you know, strengths. You can still play Ramus. You can still play Jin. Like, you, you know, you still have some really good champion op- choices. I think that there were some times where there were choices made that I disagreed with. Like the, the last game of the, the Rocket Huma series where Huma picked Nautilus mid lane into Corky. I don't think that was intelligent at all. It, it made no sense to me in any regard of why you would pick that mid lane. And just some other things. I thought there were some interesting trades where teams like I think Trundle is probably should be the highest prioritized champion in the game right now because you can put him top or support. 
So you can first pick Trundle, and the opposing team knows nothing about what you're going to do with it. You can either play it top lane into Poppy, you can play it top lane into any of the tanks, you can throw it into the bottom lane. And, and there were multiple times where I think in the Giants-Huma series where Giants could have first picked Trundle, Huma wasn't going to play Poppy, and they could have second or third rotation Poppy, but they didn't. They like kept leaving Trundle up, and then Huma started banning Trundle, or Giants started banning Trundle. So I, I think when we get into the playoffs here, we're going to see Trundle be one of the most contested and important champions in the game. Yeah, Trundle's really good. Uh, the appeal that he gives is incredibly important for a lot of the compositions that are being run. I'm not sure if this is going to be on 6.5 or 6.6. It doesn't say on the Esportspedia or the uh, LOL Esports page yet. Uh, it would be surprising to me if the semifinals and finals were still on 6.5, just because 6.6 has been out for a little bit by now, but they might go with 6.5 for this week. I don't know. Either way, Trundle is a very good pick, and I would not be surprised to see that prioritized. I would not be surprised if we saw some Trundle highlights, Walter, which, you know, highlight videos are pretty great. And it's pretty awesome when you get to see a compilation of moments, even just champion moments, like the best Trundle moments from any particular week right now, I I bet would make an amazing highlight video. But I don't really know where I should go to make highlight videos. Do you have any ideas? Yeah, I actually do. And it's one of our sponsors, Vibby.com. Oh, man. Are you talking about the Vibby.com? The The Vibby.com. Because... I've heard that they've added a ton of new features recently. On top of being super easy to use, plugging in those easy timestamps on your YouTube and Twitch VODs in order to get the highlights that you love from your favorite streamers or esports games, they've now got an embeddable highlight portal so you can put it on your website and make it easy to use. They've got a partner system now so you can follow particular people and teams that you love and make sure that you can interact with that community there. The interface has been updated. The tools are easier. And you can even do it on Vimeo now, which they weren't able to do before. That's kind of awesome, isn't it? You can make highlight videos, and I'm sure there will be an audience in the community that will love to take that all in. So go to Vibby.com today and start making highlight videos. Literally anyone can do it. It is so user-friendly. We're going to move on to a fan-friendly series, I think, in Vitality versus Fnatic. This is something that European fans have been probably hoping for. If you were looking at first-round matchups, this is one of the more interesting ones. You have a Vitality team that has been incredibly methodical, you know, very slow and steady winning the race, with Kabashar doing his split-push thing and the team focusing around their later game objective control against a Fnatic team that came out of IEM Katowice looking like a whole new roster and have slowly but surely fallen off since then. Walter, what do you think is the most interesting storyline for you heading into this series? This series, can Fnatic find some form of consistency? Can they figure out a play style? Can they figure out a couple champions? Can, can they just figure out a way to be... Can they be Fnatic? Can they just be Fnatic? Can we finally have an identity of what Fnatic is the split? And you're talking about Vitality, who's been literally since day one, since that loss to Rocket, all the way back at the beginning of the season, they have had an identity of, we are Team Vitality, we are going to play this style, 
we're going to have some little nuances, some little changes. Sometimes Nuke Duck will be the utility role of it. Sometimes Cabo Shard will play the utility role and not carry. And they have had that style, and they just keep playing that way. And you know, every time you go into a Vitality game, this is what Vitality is going to do. It's going to be slow paced. It's going to be very rotational based. It's going to be very macro oriented. You're not going to see a ton of like shook ganks early on. And if he does, they're going to be centralized to one lane, maybe a couple to a second lane. It's very, very crisp. Fnatic, on the other hand, is, uh, I know that, that Reckless is like the first one to bring out the gin, but maybe it should have been Jinx because they're kind of a little crazy. They kind of <laughs> have like this little bit of chaos where, you know, Jinx, remember her cinematic? It's like, you know, a city is crumbling down around her as explosions are going off, where Jin is more like, I'm a perfectionist. I want my masterpiece. Death is art, the entire motif. Vitality is more gin in this metaphor, and Fnatic is more jinx, like explosions. Let's try something and see if it works, and either it's going to fail spectacularly and make a boom, or we're going to win the game, and it's going to be awesome, and the Nexus is going to explode. So I I think that's the interesting part, is this sort of clash of consistent, methodical play style, and Fnatic is like, let's rub our magic eight ball and see what happens. Yeah. Well, first of all, on your Fnatic is Jinx point, I would suggest that they bring in a little bit of anarchy, but they've renamed to the Africa Freaks since then, so I can't actually make that change. Hey-o. I just want to know, I want you to know I was ready for it had the name change not gone down. But second of all, I find this is a very interesting series because it's a great test of what we liked about Fnatic heading into the series. We had Fnatic as a top three team heading into the regular season. And one of the biggest reasons we felt that way is because Daylor is a thing. He has been a very strong presence as a coach. This is the story that we heard for forever, how he was able to instill this discipline in this Fnatic team and how they were able to just steamroll over people, especially in best of fives with these innovative pick ban, with being able to take advantage of other teams' weaknesses. And this split, it just hasn't been that way. According to our good friends at eSports fans, when they're on red side, it's a disaster area for them. They have a 0.6 KD on red side versus 1.4 on blue. And I think a lot of that comes down to these drafts that we're talking about, the strategies that they know how to implement just don't seem to translate the same way when they're on red side. And it's going to cost them in a series where they don't get to choose the side for three of the five games. So, Walter, I ask you, is there a chance for the Daylor effect to come back into action? Should we believe in their ability to prep? Um, why would the Daylor effect come into action now? in week one of the playoffs when it barely appeared at all during the entire season. I guess you could say it appeared at IEM Katowice, and they did pretty well there, but I don't know why you would think that all of a sudden magically it's going to happen with week one of, uh, you know, in, in the quarterfinals. I, I guess it, it helps that he only has to plan for one opponent, but we're talking about a team that the champion pools are probably the deepest in terms of the solo lanes out of anyone in the LCS. Even Hjarnan 
has pulled out misfortune when she wasn't really strong jinx when she was you know wasn't considered a very strong champion uh, what we're gonna ban out costing costing has shown that he can play literally any support that he wants he can play tom kench if that has to come down to it i don't think daylor is gonna make this team so well prepared magically that that you're gonna have some sort of advantage for fanatic to win this series they are going to have to outplay vitality in the game on the rift Fibivin is going to have to go back to that you know MSI from last year where he was solo killing Faker, and he needs to crush Nuke Duck in lane. Reckless and Clyde need to finally get this synergy down and take it to Hyarnan and Kossing. Gamsu has got to have the series of his life against one of the best top laners in the entire you know Western League of Legends scene in Cabochard. Like there isn't some sort of magic formula that Fnatic can figure out before the game. It's going to have to come down to they are going to have to out CS, they are going to have to out rotate, they are going to have to out objective. They are going to have to beat Vitality on the Rift. Well, let me provide the good news and the bad news for Fnatic fans that are hoping the Daylor effect comes into play. The good news is they proved at IEM Katowice that they are still capable of theory crafting compositions that aren't popular yet around the rest of the world. And they are playing a team in Vitality that may have deep champion pools, but hasn't necessarily provided a different play style as a general rule. There's a reason that Rocket. I can't believe I'm saying this. Rocket 2 owed Vitality in the European LCS, and it had something to do with there is a series of strategies that can exploit the weaknesses of Vitality on a pure macro level. It's hard to do. It's incredibly hard to do. But Vitality like to play for this very objective-focused mid-to-late game using these small advantages and snowballing them. And if you're fanatic, you can plan around that. You can plan around the fact that they're going to give you time in the early game. You can plan around the fact that they're not going to be going for super aggressive ganks because Shook isn't that guy. And you could exploit that in both pick and ban and on the rift if the shot calling is there. The bad news is that the shot calling hasn't been there. And it hasn't been there since Fabiven and Reckless were asked to pick up where Yellowstar left off. And not only is it very hard to replace someone that's been such a fundamental monument to that team for as long as he has. Remember when High left Cloud9 for a couple days how, or a couple weeks back in the summer split, how, much, how devastating that was. I mean, Yellowstar was a huge figure in his own regard in how he fit in that particular team, even if he's not doing the same in North America right now. But Fabiven and Reckless having to take on those shot calling duties, I think it has affected their play. I think it's affected their ability to make wise decisions in game, and it's left them in a really awkward spot as a general rule. It doesn't matter if Daylor picks this amazing composition that perfectly counters whatever Vitality is trying to do. If Fnatic can't execute it well, then there are going to be problems. And if the last week of the LCS proved anything to me, it's that this team still has a lot of struggles in that execution. There's no reason that a team like this should be losing to Origin the way that they did. There's no reason a team like this should be losing to Elements at all. And that kind of performance at the end of a split is worrying, to say the least. But... You know, Vitality didn't have the greatest end either. 
that loss to Rocket was a very silly game to throw away. And I know there will be some people who will argue that Vitality weren't 100% with their head in the game, and they did take care of business against Splice. But, Walter, do you think that there are concerns for Vitality heading into this series, things that they need to shore up uh, if they're going to be a threat going forward in these playoffs? I, I think the concern with any team that plays one style, and whether it's Vitality, whether it's G2, whether it's CLG, is that you're going to have these days where someone just has you figured out, where they just have the right strategy to counter what you're going to play, and it's multiple champions, and you can't ban it out, and, and, and they just have your number that day. And it's going to happen. There are going to be games where you just can't get your strategy going. And for Vitality, I don't think it's against Fnatic, but we talked about the kind of chaotic nature of a Fnatic's identity if you don't really know who they are. There is a chance that Fnatic figures out the right pressure point to go after Vitality. And I think that the team that really has that pressure point is G2, is the way to beat Vitality is to speed up the game, is to make them play faster, make them play looser. Vitality wants to sit back and just chip away, chip away, chip away, chip away, and then slit your throat. That, that's that's what it is. It's we're going to take a dragon here. We're going to take a tower here. We're going to take this. We're going to take this. We're going to take your wolf camp. We're we're just going to slowly chip and chip and chip and chip. And now team fight at Baron. We end the game. That is Vitality's like core play. That's what they want to do. Teams that can make them play that faster, that can make them say, you know what? Nope, we're going to contest every single wolf camp that you go after. We're going to contest every single dragon you go after. Hey, Hjarnan, you want to get that wave that's piling up in top lane? Nope, we're going to go contest that. We're going to contest this. We're going to go after you here, 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 here. We're going to make you play off the back foot. We're not going to let you just be able to dictate the pace. That, I think, is the way that you beat Vitality, and G2 has shown that they are able to do that. And H2K have shown they are able to do that. Fnatic has a chance to be able to do that because they've shown such a broad range of playing super, super fast and aggressive and playing super slow, you know, methodical, trying to just like react to what's going on. So I would say Fnatic has a chance, but I don't think it's a strong chance as, you know, an H2K or a G2 is going to have later on in the tournament. Yeah, and this is where we bring up the fact that Kazing was picked as the best support in Europe. Uh, by the all-star voting, however they did that. And there's a reason for it. And it's because the shot calling on this team has been tremendous. They have done such a good job of securing these objectives, of turning small leads into bigger leads, and just really stifling any chance an opponent has to get back in while still not taking many risks. Fnatic is a team that has relied at least at times on individual outplays. You know, Spirit is a very individual outplay kind of jungler. He's not necessarily as macro aware. His rotations on games where he isn't grabbing kills can look very underwhelming. And I don't see Vitality letting those kind of mistakes through. If Spirit can play like the Spirit that was on World Elite and was causing all of this hype and, and praise when he was first signed to Fnatic comes through then maybe there's a case here. Maybe that early aggression can snowball a lane for either Forbidden or Reckless, and they can take something from there. But it does feel like Fnatic right now, they want to take it a little bit easier in the early game, where 
reckless and forbidden shot calling would be particularly difficult and then move on to the kind of team fight synergy that they have demonstrated at times. And that's not going to fly against vitality. That's not how you win. Walter, all of this said and done, where do you think the line is? I think that vitality are the favorites. Oh, there's no laugh. Okay. Oh, you're. I, I thought that. Yeah, I no, thought that was a joke. I thought that was a joke because I'm saying the actual truthful, factual statement. No, uh, you are correct. You are correct. I apologize. I, uh, I I let you down as a host there. That's on me. That's on me. I, uh, I you know, I was uh, like Vitality. I start a little slow and then slowly but surely improve over the whole uh, process. Where, where do you think that? Play Tarek. That's the true. Park is played into you with that hey, dazzling hey, stud. He's still gone uh, in rework uh, limbo, so I think I'm okay. Where do you think the line is? <laughs> Vitality at minus two fifty. Okay, you and I guessed the same thing, okay. so we split this one. It's actually Vitality minus two fourteen. That is fair. That's Here, fair. Here's my question it. to you: Why would I not take? Vitality at a minus one and a half handicap at plus 175. Because Fnatic are jinx and kind of a little crazy, and there's a chance that they actually make this a series. Okay. But on the other hand, I have Vitality to win 3 1 or better at plus 175, and we're guaranteed at least two blue side games in that margin. And Vitality is much better at blue side than Fnatic is on red. I just feel like this matters. I feel like this I, is relevant I, here. I think that's a good game. Like, I would take that. I think it's probably a 3-1 series, but yeah. I'm also just saying that the, the level of variance on Fnatic as a team is probably the highest of any team in either region. Fnatic, they could get 3-0'd, or they could 3-0 Vitality. And I don't think you could say that about a single other team in North America or Europe. Well, you have unicorns on Fnatic winning, so I understand your reluctance here. I made I made that bet when I was young and foolish, my friend. <laughs> I, I cannot say that that was an intelligent gamble at all. That was not a smart gamble on my part. Well, here's something where if you are going to believe in Fnatic, and if you're going to believe in the Daylor effect at all, the other prop bet I should throw out to the crowd, Fnatic winning map one, where the first chance they'd have to pull some sort of innovative strategy to catch Vitality off guard is plus 115. I think that's in play as well. There's a chance. There's definitely a chance for that. I can see it. I feel like if Fnatic is going to keep this series close, they've got to win game one. Yes, I would agree. They they need to set the tone for the entire series, and, and that would revolve around winning game run one. Yes, I would agree. Absolutely. But, you know, thank goodness that we have these blue and red side stats from our good friends over at eSports Fans, our newest sponsor of the podcast. Walter, this site has just been awesome for us, not only because it's so visually easy to read if you look at the team pages that allow you to look at 
you know, the roster, recent match statistics, uh, what their strengths are in terms of dragons, barons, kills, deaths, all these things compared to the average within their region, but also individual player pages, including, you know, their most played champions, all of the different statistical tendencies that come with, uh, with these players, as well as their most played builds on their favorite things, and just all of the other fun, interesting stats that esports fans have been able to display out there. What's your favorite thing you've learned from their site? The favorite thing that I've learned from the site actually has been uh, related to Hard, the jungler from Echo Fox. He's actually played uh, Elise both with Juggernaut and with Runic Echoes. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it just visually, the site can tell you a lot just by a quick cursory glance at their graphics. They really stand out. They use like this orange and gray color scheme. So you can really tell like, oh, you know, uh, Cabo Shard is, you know, above a- an average top laner in Europe compared to, you know, every single one of the major statistic, you know, statistical categories. Like, okay, he's the best top laner in, in, in Europe, and it, it's it's been a blast, and it, it makes my job a whole lot easier where I can just look at these quick orange bar graphs and go, yep, that that confirms the the bias that I already have from watching every single game this split or huh my eyes must need a new prescription because i didn't think that this player was this bad so it's been fantastic and i'm i'm very happy to work with them yeah esports fans and analytics network specializing in the metagame statistics designed for fans like you guys listening to this podcast go to esports fans that's fans with a z at the end dot com go enjoy it today we're going to move the letter on. Z, not the champion. The letter Z, not the shadow. <laughs> That's the letter Z. Man, this is when my UK university education really comes back to haunt me, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is the letter. <laughs> please, please go check out the site. Uh, we're, we're a big fan, and hopefully you guys will enjoy it as well. We're going to move on to the second semifinal series, a series that is a lot less easy to sort out just from stats alone it is origin versus the unicorns of love i feel like our matchup preview for this is incredibly different three weeks ago than it is today because now we've seen unicorns of love with the lulex effect walter did what we saw from the unicorns of love in the last week of the season make you any more confident in their ability to persevere through the dreaded lulex effect that we discussed on last week's episode I'm so confused by this matchup. I, I I don't know what to believe. The world is flat. The sky is green. Birds swim. I have no clue anything to think about this. And that's why I'm so glad that I look back at all of our smart money bets and I go, we've made a lot of money this year. This mm-hmm. split. We made a bunch of money. And that makes me happy. So this is one of those where I'm just going to throw my hands up in the air and go, I'm not touching this with a 40-foot pole. I'm not gambling on this. I don't want anything to do with this series. This is going to be a very entertaining series to watch, but don't ask me who wins that game. Don't ask me who wins this series, because frankly, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think anyone does. And it starts with, like I said, that Unicorns of Love personality switch. And, you know, to some extent, it did work. They got a victory over... H2K, which is something I don't think anyone expected heading into the week. Uh, Certainly, H2K wasn't necessarily playing the cleanest game that we've ever seen from them, but it was still a a very solid effort, and the pieces around 
Lulex, you know, Fox and Steelback and Hillisang are still all looking quite good. But on the other hand, it just seems like there is this weight that drags down the high-energy, high-octane team that we grew to love over the course of the regular season. Do you think that this is something that will come back to haunt them uh, now that we're in a best-of-five playoff situation? I don't think it's going to hurt them because of the matchup against Orion. I think if they did have this very high-octane, you know, a Diamond Prox, a Joko, a Rudy, where they were going to go after Origin, I think it would be worse for Origin. So I think it evens the series up more. It makes it... Uh, it makes it more of a toss-up because we know unicorns are not going to just you know run out to a you know three four five thousand gold lead in the first fifteen minutes of the game. It's going to be very much like Vitality, where they're very methodical, slow. Let's get you know let's get Dragon, let's get the Rift Herald, let's go invade and make sure we have vision over the enemy jungle around Dragon. Now we control all those camps. We're going to steal all those camps. Lolex of the player is not a player who's going to make any sort of flashy play. There are not going to be any crazy insect kicks. There's not going to be any, you know, crazy Nidalee invades where he's killing the enemy jungler five times before 10 minutes. Uh, you know, there's not going to be anything like that. What you are going to get is a very controlled, very ward centric, very rotational centric playstyle from the entire team. And it makes me think that who that they've changed their shot caller because of of the constant jungle changes, and maybe it's been Joko and Rudy and Diamond Prox that were doing all the shot calling before, and that's why it was so so aggressive. And now Lolex is the one who's doing the shot calling. But it makes me think that someone here they've changed their shot calling to match what Lolex is capable of, and they've done a fantastic job with it. I just don't think that it gives them an advantage against origin. I think it's going to be a very, very uh, muted set when you compare to what potentially diamond prox or Rudy could have brought. Yeah. It's a different skill set, certainly. And it's a skill set that has some significant flaws in it. We haven't seen Lulex be the kind of jungler to be excited about basically since he hit stage with H2K back in the spring split last year, I think there's potential for this team to go far because I think that the core of Fox, Steelback, Hillisang is still incredibly strong. But it is going to be a matter of how they do adjust to Lulex, how they're able to handle team fights, how they're able to handle the lack of early pressure, which, as you said, maybe doesn't matter so much against Origin, which is really hoping that this is on 6.5 because otherwise they've got some problems with so as is Fiora which obviously gets nerfed pretty hard in 6.6. Trundle. Trundle. There are going to be split push options, and we all know Origin's going to be going for them. Here's the question, Walter. Who do you think they sent out in the mid lane this week? Power of Evil. Really? I don't think Peke is playing. I think it's Power of Evil. I understand that Power of Evil had a health issue, but at the same time, if you listen to what they were saying in interviews... The players went on several times noting how much more comfortable they felt with X-Peke at the helm, with X-Peke doing the shot calling, and it produced two of the smoothest games they've had this split. So what makes you say it's going to be Power of Evil here? Uh, other than the fact that that's the name listed on the 
LOL esports lineup page. Yeah, that would be a good. Uh, that's a good reason. I, to be fair, he, he's he's been their starter all year, other than the medical emergency and then the one game uh, against Fnatic that that Peke started. He's the one they've been playing through. They've had some success with him. I do not think that Origins issues have been. Is it Peke or Power of Evil in the mid lane? I, I don't think that that has been the overarching issue. I think it's been the inconsistency that Soaz and Amazing have had throughout the split. Mm-hmm. And I think towards the end of the split, they've cleaned it up some, especially if they play these very split push oriented. All right, we're going to play 4v5 on the rest of the map. And if they send one person against Soaz, we can win a 4v4 or Soaz can win a 1v1. That's basically what they've been gambling the last three or four weeks on, and it's been working. I don't see them changing or or diverging away from that formula. I think we'll probably continue to see him on a Fiora, on a Quinn. His Poppy has been very good. Trundle, like I said earlier, I think is the most important champion in the game right now in terms of competitive play. So they'll probably be prioritizing Trundle quite a bit when they're on blue side. Um, Just from there, I, I don't see why. When you've played with Power of Evil 15 out of your 18 games that you would switch before the playoffs. Maybe they'll make a change. If they go down 0-2 and Power of Evil is playing like absolute garbage, maybe they would in Game 3. But I can't see them starting this this series with anyone other than Power of Evil. Yeah, Even if it is Peke. It's an interesting one for me. Because on the one hand, I agree with you. I don't think Power of Evil has been the problem. I don't think he's had a good split. I think all the people who gave us a very hard time in the preseason for saying that Power of Evil was not a strict upgrade over XPEC-A are probably very nervous having seen the full split play out. But I do feel like there is something to be said about the calming nature of a veteran like XPEC-A who's played with these guys before, going back to the roster that got them to the quarterfinals. I don't think that's the role XPEC-A wants to play, but I understand if you're Soaz, if you're amazing, if you're Sven... I can understand wanting to have that, wanting to have that source of comfort on the roster. And I'm very curious to see how they adjust for that, because it was very clear in Week 9 that Origin did feel more comfortable as a team, letting Xpeke shot call, letting him be a lane that Amazing doesn't have to worry about because Xpeke is very self-sufficient. I don't think Xpeke played Amazing, but I think the team played a lot more cohesively. And so the question then becomes, if we're going to go with Power of Evil, which it does seem to be the case, how do they make up for the consistency issues that have plagued the team so far when he hasn't been on the helm? I I think it has to come down to putting him on the comfort champion, and and I think it's quite simple, and and people are going to probably make fun of this because this is really asinine analysis, but play better. So as an amazing, have to play better. And I hate that I'm summarizing it that simply, but that that's the case. Sometimes it's just you have to play better. And and in their case, that's what it is. It's not that they are outwardly doing something that it's not like they're trying new champions. It's not like Soaz is playing like top lane Sona or anything weird. He's playing the standard champions. He's playing what is good. He's playing what is comfortable. Same with Amazing. They're playing what are good champions. Amazing is not trying to make Evelyn work. He's playing Nidalee. He's playing Lee Sin. He's playing Gragas. He's playing Elise. Champions that he notoriously is good on. Remember, this is the guy that you said, you ban his Elise, you ban his Lee Sin, and you ban Evelyn. What else does he play? Nothing. Like, I, he plays nothing else. He went to Volibear, like, on TSM. Remember that. Mm-hmm. They need to just simply play better. 
And they are not against a team that is impossible to beat. It, sh- it is very likely that they can beat Unicorns of Love. Like I said, this is a very even series. They're, it's not like they're playing against G2 and, you know, all their hopes are, you know, it, it's we, we stand no chance. There is a very good chance that they can beat Unicorns of Love and move on to play G2 or H2K in the, the semifinals. But they just have to play better. They have to get outside of their own heads. They have to remember, I'm Paul freaking Soaz Boyer. I'm the split push god. I'm the creator of the death bush. I'm the best <laughs> player in the world. And I want to see balls out, super, super egotistical Soaz. That's when he's playing his best. It's when in his own head he's going, yeah, I'm the best player in the world. Who the hell is this faker kid? I'm Soaz. <laughs> That's I, when he's at his best. I gotta be honest. I imagine him doing that every day in front of a mirror with a little baguette <laughs> by his side. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the other thing that they should really look into is going back to Sven as the main carry for this team. I think that they had him as the only threat for a while, and they were playing these very heavy protect-the-carry compositions. And not only was that eventually exploited, but it led to a point where Sven was pretty much exhausted. By the end of it, you know, he was missing flashes that he never missed before. He was just making some some mistakes here and there. But I think now there's been enough time. People forget just how good Sven can be. He was a semifinalist at Worlds as a rookie and playing as one of the best 80 carries at that tournament. I think that there's potential here for him to directly attack Steelback and Hillsang. And see, can you guys keep up the shot calling? Can you guys keep up with all these strategic changes you've had to make because of your roster changes and still deal with the threat that Sven provides on a play-by-play basis? So all of this, Walter, leads to the final question of what do you think the line is for this series? I have origin at minus 175. Okay, you get this one. So you're going to oh. get the quarterfinal week, which makes it a whole 14 to 4 in our Guess the Lines Challenge. Congratulations. I said minus 125. I thought it was going to be closer. It's minus 164 for Origin. That's Unicorns of Love at plus 125. I like those odds. Those are pretty good odds. Um, like, I, like I said, don't, don't ask me who's going to win. I, I have no clue. <laughs> Yeah, the problem is that it's so close on the straight up that there's no value anywhere else. You got minus 175 for a plus one and a half handicap for the unicorns. I don't, I don't think that's a bet I feel great about. I don't like origin minus one and a half for obvious reasons. I, there just isn't any value here. And trust me, we know value. We, so far on the season, after going 2-1 and one last week in our smart money bets, are at $1,537 of money you would have made had you made $100 bets on every smart money bet we recommended on this podcast over at Unicorn.com. We gave so much free money from Europe this split, especially when we had Rocket over Vitality last week, that I don't, I don't want to touch this one. There's no reason. We, there's there's no money to be made here, I don't think. Do we? I mean, are there any bets that you're looking at that you would recommend? I, I mean, there's I, a I, the pl- over four and a half maps at plus one seventy. I, I yeah, I, I'd say best of five is is going to happen. 
I would say this this series will absolutely be a best of five unless something really really funky happens. Okay, like if if Origin figures out like three champions that no one's thought of and are like masters of them and are forcing unicorns to have to ban them out and can just go three games in a row of playing like really unusual stuff like or unicorns does that like that's the only way it happens. But this is going to be a five game series. I would bet money on it being a five game series. Okay, so let's make that one of our three smart money bets of the week. Do you like my vitality at a plus 175 for a minus one and a half handicap? Yes, that's them winning it 3-1 or better. Yes, exactly. What's the last one you want? I would say Vitality winning game one. Okay, Vitality winning game one. The odds of that aren't actually as good as you think they are. I I think that that's a safe bet, though. Minus 149. Ugh. Exactly. There's, There's not much to be had there. You know, I almost feel like you could hedge... And possibly still win by taking Fnatic at plus 115 to win map one. Because if ever they're going to come up with something creative and interesting, they're going to blow it in game one. Yeah. Because they can't afford – that's a must win for them, I think. Yeah. I would agree with that. Okay. Yeah, so so Fnatic at game one. Yeah, Fnatic plus 115 for game one. So just one more time for all our people at home who want to get in – Get some free money. Get some of that free money that we've been hanging out on these podcasts. It is Unicorns of Love uh, over four and a half games uh, in their series against Origin. Vitality plus 175 with a minus one and a half handicap over Fnatic. And plus 115 that Fnatic will win game one over Vitality here. So I think these are some nice smart money bets. And I think that's been a great podcast. If you guys enjoyed it, you should go to soundcloud.com slash esportsroughdrafts or subscribe on iTunes at Rough Drafts on the podcast section there. If you could leave a review, write some comments. We love hearing from you guys. You can also follow me on Twitter. I am at RedShirtKing. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL and at SlingshotEsports.com. Perfect. Well, hopefully you guys are going to enjoy these playoff games. They start on Saturday, but there are other playoff games that start on Saturday as well. The North American LCS playoffs. We're going to have to talk about those tomorrow on Unicorn.com. So be sure to go back there and never miss a podcast from us. I do little write-ups on that site, so you should definitely tune in. And until then, goodbye, Internet.